the most happy thing that you can do in this space is having security like this space allows you if you navigate it correctly and you make the right moves you can put yourself in a financial position to have security security is the biggest fuck you in the entire world because nobody can tell you what to do you are the master of your domain Welcome to another episode of Blank Radio. We are here to dive deep into the minds of NFT icons and artists. Today we're joined with Mr. H, the founder of Web3 Auditing. So exactly when did you get into the NFT space? So NFT space started dabbling in it, you know, obviously when that, you know, when Bored Apes dropped and, you know, I wasn't in it then. I, I remember seeing this TikTok and I'll never forget showing my wife and I was like, I can't fathom that people are going to pay money for this. Like, it, it's actually crazy to me. Like, I don't see how this is going to work. And like so funny because like it you know it started to take on its own and then all of a sudden i realized like what kind of an idiot i was and like you know obviously you got to be humbled in life you're i'm wrong more than i'm right and i sat back and like anything else i got like obsessed with it and started really doing my research and how it could be you know properly used beyond just a pfp concept and you know staking and all this other stuff came into play and like i i just started to get the bug i guess and then i bought my first few nfts i think in like August of last year and, uh, you know, rode the wave all the way up and then all the way down and realized what, you know, people do when they rug projects and things like that. And it was like, man, this is, this is the craziest space I've ever seen. Like there's millions of dollars going through these projects and there's no like doxing. People don't know who these people are, et cetera. So like, I don't know, man, I just got like obsessed. And then from there, you know, I launched my own project and, uh, you know, that sold out in November of last year is a project called Dormant Dragons. And, um, you know, it, it was an amazing experience to take something from, you know, the beginning where like you have nothing and you work on it for three, four months straight with the art, the traits, the roadmap, you know, you're working tirelessly with a group of people, you know, trying to build something to see if you can make your mark in the space. And, uh, you know, we, we launched, I think the first night opened the discord and we had 15 people in the discord and within like two hours, it was like 10,000 or something like that. And we didn't bought anything like everything was on the legit side. And it was just because uh, made in Tokyo, this big uh, rapper on the other side of the world saw our art and like posted about it and loved it. And we kind of blew up, but like just the whole experience from being like a buyer and seeing how projects ran and like getting rugged to then like being, a, you know, a founder. And unfortunately, you know, I ended up selling my interest in that project a couple of weeks after it, uh, after it sold out, just uh, didn't see eye to eye with the other founders, but like just, seeing what it's like to build it, run it, you know, advising other projects, being a, you know, somebody that's bought into the space, like is a, cons a customer. It's crazy. I've seen every faucet of it and I love web three and I hate web three because I think there's so many ways that it could be made more efficient, more secure, a better just overall experience for people. But I also love it because you control your own destiny. And realistically speaking, it gives any entrepreneur a platform or an opportunity to you know raise capital in order to achieve a goal that they're trying to achieve problem is is 99% of these founders don't achieve the freaking goal which sucks you know yeah i know exactly what you mean man because you know to to run a project successfully there's a lot of factors that i don't think uh, regular uh, buyers at the very beginning understand on uh, in order to maintain Maintaining a project, the cost affiliated with it is substantial, especially in Web3, because everybody is new to this market and everyone technically have a second job. Uh, this is their second job. So they want uh, a bit higher pay, payout and they want higher payments. So so the, the kind of the affiliated, affiliated costs 
uh, related to running a project is it's double or triple the normal rate as a web two business. So a lot of the companies or a lot of the projects run out of cash really fast uh, as soon as they men out because they have to pay percentages, then they have to run the project for several months and they technically don't have enough to execute on the roadmap as they want. And and this is a big problem and was and still was a big problem and still is a big problem right now. And a lot of the uh, a lot of the project is facing one particular issue is this taxing taxing thing that you said at the very beginning, and also uh, the depreciation of ETH if they have they have the ETH in their uh, code wallets and they have to report taxes or whatever, uh, or they have to pay. Uh, people throughout the year and they have depreciated by 70%. It's a really big hinder uh, on the on the project themselves to keep it running for a long time. So unfortunately, a lot of projects have to either sell out their interest to the community or just discontinue their uh their project because they ran out of money. You know, so yeah. So on the uh, what was your first project that you bought into? Uh and what, first, and what was your first, first flight? Yeah. Yeah, first project I bought into was a rug. It was uh it was uh sympathy for the devils. Sympathy for the devils. Uh I got pushed by like blockchain boy and all these like other people, and they they all had them and like man, I, I remember like just buying into it and it was crazy. The Discord never stopped. And then next thing you know, founders are like out in Portugal drinking beer, spending millions of dollars in the treasury or something. And like, I don't know, like they just disappeared. Then the community took it over Floor went from like 1.6 to 0.01, like within, I don't know, you know, a couple of weeks. It, it was, it was one of those things that if it went down now, like in a bear market, it would like go from one ETH to like 0.001 in one day. You know what I mean? How it works now. But like, uh, yeah, it was just almost like a slow rug. It was, and it sucks, but like the the interesting part about it is like the, I met people in that community that educated me on NFTs and like how to you know in essence navigate the market, how to not flip, but yeah, flip how where to make profit, right? How to how to navigate the waters because I was so you know new to it. And then I actually met people from that project that helped me or that were partners with me that launched you know Dormant Dragons when we did. So, I mean, like while it was a, while sympathy of the devils was my first buy-in and like, ended up being a rug, like it was still cool because I met a lot of good people. And I think that's where web three really shines. Is like, even though there's a lot of bad actors in the space, there really are a lot of good people in the space, you know, a lot of really cool people that are willing to help and like network and, and help grow each other. So like, again, has its negatives, has its positives, but yeah, that that's where I kind of started. And yeah, <laughs> First project was not a good buy, unfortunately. So, I think everyone uh, everyone started by by buying into a project they don't fully understand or uh, had overpromised and uh, underdelivered. Were just being a straight up rug. I know I have been uh, the first time that I got into the space. I gave myself like a couple thousand quid, uh, so that's like a couple grand in in USD terms as well. And just told myself that if I lose this, I lose it. Uh, there's no harm in trying to get into a market that you don't fully understand. But as as long as you put, you know, uh, money on the table uh, that you are willing to lose and don't have like emotional attachment to it, you feel a lot better off when you do buy into a rug and it does it does go to zero at one point. You don't have that much emotional attachment to it. And that's the biggest learning um, like starting point for me is like if I lost it, I lost it. But I used it as an educational, um, more than a monetary 
kind of um, um, mindset. And yeah. that really yeah, helped me absolutely. at the time. No, absolutely. I agree with you. And again, you know, never obviously invest more than you can lose. But I think, I think, you know, investing in these projects while you have, while you seem to have transparency, like for an example, you buy into a stock of a, you know, Fortune 100 brand or whatever it is, like you have transparency per se, right? But the same token, you really can't, like, you're not talking to the CEO personally. You're not talking to the board. You're not, you know, you're a holder, you're, you know, et cetera. Whereas in, you know, the lore to this is that you're able to talk with the CEOs, founders, et cetera. And I think that's where people, I don't want to say get taken advantage of, but that's where like bad actors will come and play, right? They spit a lot of good words, make promises, get the money and then go. And again, it just turns back Max to like, there's going to be a way, hopefully one day where either through a absolute must doxing system or something like that, where founders must go through it in order to, you know, and they have them, we all know like there's subgroups that do this and offer it, but I'm talking about like a, a main like platform where like, if you want to launch an NFT project, you got to go through this and like, and, and ultimately get verified and have some kind of badge or something through it. I don't know. Obviously it's something, you know, I've thought about building, but I just feel like there's got to be a better way to start protecting people and holding founders more accountable for these raises that they're trying to do, you know? Yeah. hundred percent, mate. Because uh, because, you know, I, I used to work in um, shareholder uh, relations and just bring that kind of knowledge into the Web3 is like, imagine imagine if BlackRock, uh, nor, nor, like uh, BlackRock, JP Morgan, Citibank were some of the biggest, you know, funds in the world into a Discord and asking why Facebook depreciated 70%, why Netflix suddenly went down 70% in the last few months. Just imagine the kind of conversations that will be had in a Discord with the fund managers. You know, te- technically in Web3, uh, the, the people that bought into the projects are, are individuals, are retail investors. But imagine if that's not the case and that's all the, all the funds in the world uh, the largest funds in the world being Discord and chat. It, it's it's wild, but again, I, I think that the space is young. I'm hoping that it evolves in a direction that can allow it to scale and, and build trust because I think right now as people look at NFTs, they they really think scam, right? I mean, let's be candid, a lot of people do. And it sucks. But again, you have really good builders in the space. You know, you look at somebody like NFT Llama, who, in my opinion, is one of the best builders in the space who I've known personally for, you know, some time since I launched my project, right? And he was still getting his off the ground. And like, he's just a super good dude, very transparent, grinds, always building, always trying to bring value to his community. So like, you know, you get a big group of people like that and you can get, you know, a platform built where everything's not centralized, right? Because again, we don't want to centralize anything, decentraland life, right? But like, you have a platform where it's centralized through trust in the sense of, again, docs, founders, upcoming launch projects. Just, I think we need a more centralized source in order for this space to get to where it needs to be um, because it can't continue to operate like the, you know, the wild west with random discords, random Twitters popping up and no central source to like really verify if any of this stuff's on the up and up, if the founders on the up and up, you get where I'm coming from, right? Yeah, I get where you're coming from. And it's really interesting that you brought up with the topic of uh, of trustworthy builders. Uh, I want to bring the conversation to uh, to Web3 auditing, uh, something yeah. that you built from yeah. scratch and uh, been super successful. I know I heard a lot of good things and I've seen a lot of, uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the project that you have helped uh, from this consultancy. And also personally, 
uh, I know that you help Blank Blank Studio in in some ways uh, with with this uh, with this consultancy as well. So, yeah. So, how many people is running Web three auditing, and like, why did you start it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's a very cool story. So, I guess I'll tell you like the origin roots of it and kind of what inspired me to do it. Because let's be honest, I spent fifteen years in Fortune hundred in the digital marketing realm and. Last bit of it running, you know, two states in the southern region for a top insurance company. And, you know, I left that for Web3 completely, um, you know, and, and, and quit that career. And I did it because when I went to launch my project, one of the biggest problems I saw, and again, I wanted to do it right. I wanted to make sure that the contract was audited, it was safe, it was secure for my community, et cetera. And, you know, I remember trying to get an auditor, like Zertech is awesome, right? They're a great company, but like, it was like a month turnaround. It was $25,000 or 15,000 or something absorbing a number that like, like what the heck, man? So like, then all of a sudden I'm having to pay people to refer me to people who can quote me, you know, for an audit. And it, it was just a nightmare. It was such a friction process, right? And like in any type of business environment, it's all about making things frictionless, right? If you want to succeed. So I saw right there, like, the space has to stay safe. The the space has to stay clean and, you know, mints can't fail because people are putting in months of work and, you know, 50, 60, 100 grand in the pre-build. And then all of a sudden their mint fails due to a faulty contract or whatever it is. Right. So when we had our contract audited, uh, the same devs that are my partners now that helped me start the company audited my contract and uh, it was a complete nightmare and they had to fix everything in three days to make the mint. And they did, and they, you know, they saved our mint. So when the time came and I left dormant, um, I sat back and I said, well, what am I going to do in this space? Like, you know, I, I've I sold out a successful project or, you know, sold out a project in the same token. Like, what, what does that mean? Like, where can, where can I evolve to, to grow? Where can I make a footprint? Because I'm not here for like quick money. Like I want to, want to build something and build a name, whether it's a company or a blue chip project or whatever it is, right? That's when I opened Web3 Auditing. I, I called the two devs that audited our contract and I said, guys, here's the deal. You know my background, we work together, uh, you know, masters in business, all this fun jazz. Like I want to build a business. I think if we go and I can consult and we audit and we do some development work as well, like I think we fit a huge need that right now in the space it, it it's there like it's a hole that's just plugged it needs to be plugged and we can plug it and end up you know helping projects in the same time so at that point we opened the business and uh we did a lot of work for free i think we worked for free for like three or four months call it what it is my you know they thought i was crazy but i told them like we have to build our name out there build our client list you know do what needs to be done in order to get the respect to have you know big orgs refer business to us and come to us and, you know, fortunately enough, we took that chance and uh, it started turning into paid business. And, you know, the next thing I know, the business, uh, everything went filed, uh, you know, legally said, you know, formed the company in April. And, you know, I think uh, I think since then we've serviced over 100 plus clients. Um, you know, we've been developers for some of the biggest projects like you, know, you have ApeList with their Mint. You have Zooverse. You know, you have Zooverse Gen Two. You've got Helix Metaverse, who has just been killing it recently, right? And you know, been on the top of OpenSea. You've got Project Whitelist. You've got brands like you know Bugatti and and you know got Jira Gen Two that we audited and just just been fortunate, man. So you know, the one thing led to another, and good work, and not you know not. I, I guess I'd say this is doing surgical work, not overbooking, and putting customer service in front of everything, like. 
those key things have helped us scale. And, you know, now we sit here today, a hundred plus clients deep, you know, referred all the time, you know, I helping blank your, your org. And, uh, it's a blessing, man. I, I, I thank God every day for it because it's, it's, I haven't taken a day off in over a year, but like, it's been worth every second of it, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think, I think, you know, a lot of people wonder the, at the very beginning of the business, how do you get, get it into a system where it's fun? Yeah. Yeah. I, actually, it's an interesting way. It's an interesting thing. So like basically the way that we worked is we hooked up with Zooverse because obviously I was advising Zooverse and, you know, at the time Ali had called me back in December when Zooverse was just pen and paper. And, you know, he had said, age, you know, fan of yours would love if you could help me with my project. And, you know, a lot of his work was to do with charity and stuff like that. So it very much appealed to me again. I wasn't in a project at that time. So I took that on and, you know, I think if you know Zooverse's background, it was a 0.12 mint, you know, that we minted out in January and we got the Gen 1 floor to 6.5 ETH in, in about five months. But uh, then the, uh, obviously the market took a turn as we all know, and everything went down with that. But what I'm alluding to is Zooverse initially worked with us and helped us kind of get started because when they were doing collabs, they'd say, hey, look, you know, have you had your contract audited? And the way we started the business was to audit the contract for free. And unless we found something absolutely critical, like a huge exploit or like, you know, uh, it was going to cost 10,000 to upload the whitelist or whatever it was going to be, right? Like, unless it was absolutely detrimental, we didn't charge anything. We gave back a report, said, here's your fixes, here's your gas optimization. And that was it. And then people started talking like, oh, man, these people are doing great audits, like, we caught things when other auditors missed it and like we weren't even charging. And then the people that we did charge, you know, they were extremely happy because the end game is that charge ended up saving their mints or ended up reducing their deployment costs by three times the cost of the audit. So like it's a unique way to 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 build a business. And it, obviously my partners thought I was nuts in the beginning. Like, dude, you have us working for free. Like this is never going to work. And I'm like, just trust me, trust me. And, you know, the process worked. Uh, so you were you were getting a lot of fun by your partners. How did how did you uh, how how did you kind of mediate that kind of? Yeah, so let me let me translate. Not fud, right? Like again, they've never shown any any like lack of hey, this isn't going to work. It's more of like, dude, it's more of that look like, man, all right, you know, like you, I trust y'all to do the dev work. You're the best devs in the world, right? And they are. They're some of the best devs in the world. You can't be an auditing company and not have some of the best devs in the world because again, it's my devs against them, but I trust them holistically without a doubt with my kids to make sure that everything is quoted properly and that the work is done surgically. Like I don't even worry about it. So like the business standpoint is in the same token, but in the beginning, you know, they're doing a lot of work, not making a lot of money. And, uh, you know, they, they just had to trust me, but like everything I said I would do in the beginning with them and how I did, you know, client orientation, how I grew our name, like everything worked. So I had earned the right to continue to ask for like, look, trust me. And there was never really any friction, my friend. It's actually been a blessing. Those guys are awesome. They, they work their butts off and they're not greedy people and they're damn good. So like I, I make sure they are taken care of without a doubt. Um, I think the biggest mistake anybody in this world makes corporate or web three is that people don't value people. And like, I can't, I, I don't, I value those guys so much. They're like blood to me. Like I know how good they are. I, I can't replace them. And sure. There's people out there that could say, well, I could do their dev work. No problem. Yeah. You may be able to, but you're not them. 
like, and I don't want to replace them. So like, I, I make sure they get their fair amount just like they should. Um, so everybody wins in this thing because greed is the number one thing that'll destroy your business. It'll destroy everything. You have worked with a lot of projects with Web3 auditing. You started off as an auditing agency, then moved on to more web development and moved even beyond that to, to some other things that you, you're able to offer as a develop, uh, developer and as a business uh, overall. What would you say is like the hardest thing that you have done? Like the, the something, uh, did, did a project approach you one day before their men and you had, to, you had to like change their whole contract? You know? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we've had that before. Um, I think I think the hardest thing sometimes is, and I'm going to tell you, I, I really think the hardest thing sometimes is like, it, this is going to like sound cheesy, but like when we audit a contract and it's so bad that like we have to tell that that client like, hey, look, you got like nine high critical issues. Like this contract's probably going to break. Your front end is probably going to have problems if this is what the contract looks like. And then you realize that like they don't have like the budget for it. And yet you've got to pay your guys and like you want everybody to win. So there's been times where like, <clears throat> you know, we've covered audits where in essence, uh, you know, I didn't make a profit or anything like that. Like just because like they were in a hard point. So like, I think those are the tough points as a business because like you still have to pay your team. Right. So like you're technically going to lose money as an owner of a company, but like the longevity of the project, like you're going to make sure that that project is able to mend, you know, or at least give them peace of mind. So like at the end of the day, I guess I look at it like a karma thing, man. It's like, I believe in life, you have a bigger book, right? And like, I, the only thing I care about is that when my eyes close at the end of the day, like that book is written the right way because that's the only thing that matters at the end of the day. So like, there's times where you got to take a hit as a business financially to hope that either a, that karma will come back, which it has tenfold. Every day of the week, I, I sit back and I look and I'm like, man, I work for myself. I own my own company. I don't have to clock in for some Fortune 100 company. Like I, I just, I do my own thing. And to me, I could make millions doing that or I could sit here and make $50,000 a year doing it and I would be just as happy. You know what I mean? But as long as the company continues to scale, we continue to help projects with you know saving their mints and making sure the space runs clean. I mean, that to me is, that, that to me is everything. Uh, making money, being happy in the space. What would you advise for devs or even even uh, like business uh, businesses or project managers in the Web two space when they get into this space? Because I know you you as a as a you know um, marketing guy before and managing the Fortune five hundred companies getting into this space. You have shared a little bit of your. Uh, your your path, but as a dev, because you have worked with a lot of devs, what would you say, you know, to them that they want to get into the space? What would if they're trying to come into the space? Yeah, I would say, like, if you were trying to really come into the space, and I mean, really, like, make your way, I would tell you that there's a few ways you could do this. I mean, if you want to do it and try and go on your own, obviously, there's places like Upwork where you'll be able to probably pick up a few like projects here and there and get your feet wet and start maybe getting a little resume built in solidity, right? And, and, and having a mint or two under your belt. But I really personally think the best thing that someone can do is to approach a you know bigger project, a made it project, something out there or a few of them, right? It's a numbers game. You know, it, it, nobody's here to like, they, nobody has to be your friend, but like if you go out and you approach them and say, hey, out of respect, 
I'm a developer. I want to get into the space. You know, I love what you guys do. Would love to help in any way if it's helping you create some staking or helping you do this. But wherever you can go in and kind of plug yourself as a resource and help a project kind of either build something. And yeah, you're going to be doing, you know, a pro bono. But in the same token, now you've added that project's name as a resume and a reference, which now puts you in a position to either get referred business by this project, right? Which if they do collabs, maybe they're referring you out some business if they need devs, right? But like key goal is you have to provide value to people before you ever ask for it. And that's in any relationship. And that's how we built Web3. Like if you look at my partners list and you know who they are, they're some of the biggest names out there without a doubt. Um, those people, like they trust in what we do, not only in the sense of the surgical dev work, but in the fact that like, we believe in any move we make before we do it, how's it going to influence our partners' brands before ours? That's how it's got to work. So again, I try and provide value to my partners way before ever asking for it. And I think that's the same thing you have to approach it as a developer coming into the space. You've got to get some work done, get a resume built under you. And then at that point, that allows you to take on the business that's paid. You know, you came into this space as an entrepreneur, but in the Web2 space, you kind of worked and clocked in for other people. What would you say is like the biggest differences? Dude, it's the greatest thing in the world. It's the greatest thing in the world. I'm telling you right now, it's the greatest thing in the world. I I am like, again, I'm I'm 37, about to be 38. I have two kids. I'm 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 the older cat in this this type of space, but like I have been young. I have been the 22, 25, 27, aspiring to drive nice cars. You know, I've owned Cadillacs. I've done the deal. I'm going to tell you right now, I drive a 2011 Malibu. My wife has the nice car, which is like a Hyundai Sonata because we got the kids and everything, right? But like, I don't give a shit about any of that crap. Like the nice stuff in life, like all of that is what? You're chasing a bigger box, a shinier car to do what? The, the damn thing gets you A to B. Take your money. The most happy thing that you can do in this space is having security. Like this space allows you, if you navigate it correctly and you make the right moves, you can put yourself in a financial position to have security. Security is the biggest fuck you in the entire world because nobody can tell you what to do. You are the master of your domain. So like the best thing I would tell you is this, if I can give you an example, I would wake up every morning in Fortune 100, make my cup of coffee, come clock into teams, have to move my mouse every 15 damn minutes or it look like I'm I'm not there. Like that constant stress on your chest of like, got to check in, got to do this. Oh, got all that. Dude, right now, I can wake up, have a cup of coffee, go outside, look at the golf course that I've worked my ass on to live on, hit a few putts on my putting green, say my prayers, meditate, and then start the day whenever the fuck I want to. And that to me is why it's worth more than any amount of money. Like you could give me next year and we do the same numbers. And let's say I only make 50K. Like, I don't give a shit. Like to me, the money, like I've put myself in a position to do okay, you know, based on how I've started and grown the business. But like the end of the day is as long as the business consistently bring in enough to pay the bills and I can put a little bit away and a little bit away, dude, I don't care about anything else. I can do whatever I want. And that to me is worth, is worth more money than ever clocking in for another company and watching you slave away for them to take 99% of your money. Like I, I'll never go back. You know, that's why I'll kill myself on this damn company because, mm -hmm. like, I believe in it. And, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, of course. Like, I I share the same kind of 
the way to look on life as you, but you know, I'm, I'm quite young, you know, I'm 24. Uh, you're, you're, you're a veteran to me in, in the corporate and in the web three space, to be fair. You know, uh, I worked for hedge funds. I worked for corporate, corporate companies, you know, clocking in every day, waking up every morning at 7am, getting on the tube, having two hour commutes every single day, unable to get internet onto the, on yeah. the tube. You know, you have to either bring a book, you know, I talk up reading, uh, you know, I, re I read, quite a lot when I was a kid, but I stopped reading in, in school in order to catch up on work and do this and write papers and that. So every single morning you wake up, same thing, make your coffee, get showered, put on the suit, get nice and clean, put on some hair gel, look pretty, smell good, you know, get on the tube, sit there for one hour doing absolutely jack shit. And, you know, as soon as you sit in, you sit in front of your four computer desk, computer screen, uh, doing work here and then, you know, I always been a hard worker, you know, I always do a little bit hard, more than what, what the superiors requires of me, you know, moved up the ladder really fast. I don't think anyone, uh, in, in that corporation have done as much as I did. You know, I built out entire systems, streamlined their whole processing for them, you know, but as soon as I've done that, you know, there's a point in my life when I was going, going back home, I was like, this is, this is getting boring. You know, I only been in this this job for a couple months, but it seems repetitive. It's but your, but your number, your number, you know, it's a number at that point. And that to me is like, that's where the problem is, Max, like right there. Like, look, dude, you're 24 and you're sitting here on a podcast trying to grow your, your space in web three. You're one of the smartest guys I've met in the space. So is Wolf who, you know, is still on the, on the call with us. And like, dude, are you, are you shitting me at 24 years old? If I had your mentality and y'all's business acumen, I would be I would be retired right now. But like at 24, I was going through grad school, still, you know, throwing parties and, you know, playing beer pong every night, you know, chasing one girl after another and like wasted so many years of what I could be doing and potential. So that's why I'm telling you, like you guys that are in this space, the people are going to listen to this podcast, you know, the whole way through, like these are the people that are ultimately going to be successful. There is without a doubt, like you guys are going to kill it. Like I wish to God I had your mentality in the time that you have. You know, you've got 12 years to do where I'm sitting right here. You're going to do 20x what I do by that time. It's a fact. So like while it's successful, you guys are truly the successful story. It's just on how you carve that path. So like going back to what I just said with you being a number, like I will tell you this, you can go kill yourself. You can go do more, you know, more and more and more, kill yourself at the office, et cetera. But you are a fucking number. And the end game is, and I'll tell you where the biggest problem I have, Max, you know, they expect you to give a two-week notice if you want to leave. It's unprofessional. It's frowned upon if you don't. You think you get a two-week notice before they fire your ass? No, you don't. If they're going to do a corporate layoff, you get pulled into a room with a bunch of HR people and they tell you, hey, thanks for eight years, right? Like it's, I'm telling you, this, this, the best piece of advice I give anybody from this entire damn thing is find a way to work for yourself. Do not go work for other people. Find a way, even if you've got to go and work for somebody else, and build your business on the side, do it, dude. Like you are the controller of your side. Like you can either be working when you're 37, like I am, or you can be freaking chilling, letting your money work for you by the time you're 37. Like you can still invest in things that are going to bring you compound interest rates. You're still going to invest in things that like are going to put you in a position where you're 37 and you're going to be freaking rocking it. So like you don't do that shit working for somebody else. So just remember that. Like if I ever have to go to the corporate world, and I'll say this recorded right here. I will never do anything more than the bare minimum. Again, 
Why? Because I've been in corporate. I've been in sales. I broke every freaking record for a Fortune 500 company in their digital side. Promised you're going to move up. You're going to move up. You're going to move up. And you know what happens, brother? They don't fucking move you up. You want to know why? Because when you're making them so much money in sales, they go, we can't afford to lose him as a sales guy, even though he's got a higher education than everybody else, even though he's working the extra hours, he's doing this. Like, we can't do that. So what ends up happening? They feed you a line of shit, give you a little bump on your commission. And at the end of the day, you never move anywhere. You're a number. And when they get rid of you, they get rid of you. And then what? You're holding your hand sitting there going, well, that was a fun nine years. What do I do now? Like, no, build your business, build your brand, build your yourself. If you fail, get the fuck up and do it again. You got years to do it, bro. Me, I don't make this shit work. I got 37 or I'm 37 with two kids, man. I ain't got an option. It has to work. You feel me? That's why I don't, that's why I never take a day off. How this became more of an inspirational podcast than a, than a builder's. I'm, I mean, I'm just telling it how it is, man. Like I've been through it all. So like, you know, like I want, I want people to hear this to like really take from that because I wish somebody would have told me this when I was going through go to college, get a college scholarship, playing soccer, go to grad school, work the corporate ladder, start from the bottom all the way up. And then you realize 15 years of your life have gone and you have given away tens of millions of dollars while they gave you pennies. Mate, when I was in, when I was in uni, you know, uh, one of the, one of the biggest concerns, cause you know, I did finance and, uh, and money management technically. And a lot of consulting, consulting things, uh, as a you know, business school, as you do, you know, uh, all the teachers, everyone, everyone around me was trying to get into, you know, either the big four. Uh, one of them is KPMG and I don't want to name them all, but people are trying to get into the big four. People are trying to get into the big three consulting companies, BCG, uh, Boston Consulting Group, Bain, uh, yada, yada, yada. And people trying to get into JP Morgan. Let me tell you, every single of my friends, uh, while, while I was in either bachelor's or master's, they're, they're in big big corporations like JP, like, like uh, London Stock Exchange Group. And, you know, I still, I'm still in contact with them. We're really good friends. You know, they tell me that I was like, dude, let's go on holiday together. You know, I'm quite, I'm quite tired. I've been working like 12 hour, 15 hour days. I, I need to get out and do something. They're like, oh bro, I can't, I, I don't have, I don't have the the holidays that is needed. I'm like, bro, then why, why don't you quit? Why don't you quit and work with me on this? The One of the things that they always say, you know, they're young, they're ambitious, they're very smart. Some of the most intelligent people that I met in the world, if they get into this space, I think they will kill it because just based on their experience and their ability to execute things, I think they will kill it. But they always said no. And for one reason, and that's security. They, a lot of people work in, the corporate world, not because that they don't have the ability to start uh, their own company or they don't have the ability to, to be their own bosses. I know they do, but they, they are so engraved into their brains that they need to work for other people in order to maintain a stable income and pay off yep. their student debt. You know, uh, yep. if I, if I, and you got to, yeah, you, got I, yeah. to. you got to, I mean, in the beginning you got to, but again, it's my thing is, is like, it's always the excuse that, you know, people have these days where it's like, well, man, you know, I go to school all day or, I, you know, I work all day, the nine to five, like, that's great. You will live in the, you know, you'll live in this, 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 I, I'm not going to just quote him, but I mean, you know, like the, what's his name? Tate says, like you live in the matrix and you'll never get out of the matrix. You'll always, you'll always be stuck. So like the, the reason why I love your mentality, brother, is like, you will go work that nine to five and you'll still build that, you know, build your, your brand and your web three and everything on the back end, you know, Wolfie too. Like 
you got that grind in you. Whereas you got to remember a lot of people don't, man. A lot of people have been raised with this participation trophy bullshit where the fucking world owes them something. And that ain't the case. You know what I mean? So it's either you go get it or you just become a number. And that's, that's the best piece of advice I'd, I'd give somebody. There's no excuse. Like when you're this age, you can fail 13 times and still come out successful with something. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Also one uni or throughout your life, you're going to meet some really talented old, old fellas that have a really good and wise uh, kind of view on the world, you know, ask them to be your mentors, right? Because they can give you a the damn good piece of advice. Honestly, Max, it's, that, that may be, you know what, let's, let's just touch on that real quick. Like, I can tell you right now, mentors are probably one of the most powerful thing you will ever have in your life. Like, honestly, find a mentor, find that buddy that you can talk to, that friend you can go to that you respect professionally, that, you know, maybe doing better than you or whatever it is. And like, have that connection, have that person that you can go to for advice and mentor. And I promise you, like a good mentor, I've mentored tons of people. I am telling you, like, it's fulfilling for them as it is for the men, you know, the person they're mentoring. And Max, you're right. Like, I, I couldn't agree more. Getting a mentor is a huge thing. Be scared for people that think getting a mentor is incredibly difficult. Let me tell you, it's not. You know, as long as you showed ambition and you showed what you want to do, you you, you straight up ask them. Because right now, if people, if like a a middle schooler or a high schooler that asks, uh, like, how do I get into Web three? Can you be my mentor? The first thing I will say is like. Yeah, I don't need to look at your resume. I don't need to look at whatever it is that you've done. Like, I would be more than happy to help you. Uh, this is what a lot of the old fellas uh, in in the corporate world will do. As long as you ask, you ask. If they say no, it's maybe because of their problems and their their kind of time in the management or their kind of commitment that they can't get rid of is nothing to do with you. And Exactly. And as soon as you're able to get a veteran, it doesn't matter who it is, as long as they have go- gone through life, they will give you a lot of devices and a lot of the experiences that will help you and like not let you make the same mistakes that they did. Like, for example, Mr. H, exactly. like right now you give uh, pieces of advice as a 37-year-old that 24-year-old me who who haven't worked in a Fortune 500 for nine, eight, nine years would would be able to experience, you know, you told me your experience, you told me where you made your mistakes. And I, I'm thinking to myself now is like, huh, if I'm not successful in the web three space that I want to go work back, back into the corporate world, would I want to do that? Or would I want to try to find a new medium to do another entrepreneurial business? Uh, I probably would definitely choose the latter because, you know, like I did my 19. You got to eat. Yeah. You got to eat. I, you know, you got to eat. I mean, that's the end game. Yeah. But I did my 9 again, to 5. Again, it's work ethic. Yeah, it's work ethic. Yeah. I did my 9 to 5. I did my share, a fair share uh, of a couple months. That that was enough for me. I did my couple, couple months of working for other people. Uh, I don't have the same mentality that I do, I do before because right now my mentality is I wake up. I can start my day whenever I want. Uh, I can go to the gym whenever I want. You know, that was also a big constraint because I'm a big gym goer. And when I work for other people, I technically can't, can't really get a gym session in the middle of the day. You know, uh, as when, when I started proving myself at work, I started asking for longer lunch breaks in order to go hit the gym. Uh, I got it, but it still felt constrained. You know, so right now it always will. Yeah, it'll always feel that way when you work for somebody else because you're not on your time; you're on their time. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Right, right now I can leave this podcast. I can be like, 
oh, okay. Oh, uh, guys, I'm leaving for a couple couple hours. Please don't text me. Yeah, I can go go and do do a gym session. Come back, have a refresh, uh, refresh mind mindset, and get get back to work. You know, you won't be able to have this in the corporate world. And and what whatever mentor that you 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 guys decide to get, or like whatever mentor, uh, you you have, and you ask them what it is that I can do to achieve financial freedom. Most of them will say a couple of things and, and those type of things doesn't you to work with a fortune 500 company for 40 years, because yes, you have no, a pension not at all. Uh, in, in the U S you have four one. You, you have a 401k, but let's be candid here. Like, I mean, I'm telling you, brother, like, and if I had to tell anybody, like, you have to go work for somebody else, go find a smaller startup, go find somebody that's actually doing the entrepreneurial thing where you can go in and have a position where like your impact can actually be felt where you can build your brand and have some equity in the brand itself. But don't, you know, my advice would be just stay away from corporate. Like, while it sounds appealing, the end game is you are a number and you are your, your worker ant, and that's it, you know? So that would be my advice there. In a transition to like, you know, off that to one other piece of advice that I do want to say is like people that I have come to find, like they don't value network, like network is everything. Like if you, you know, people are sitting there like, well, how do I grow? Like, how do I build myself? Like, what do I do? Go network, man. Go like reach out to people, tell them, you know, do your research. Like don't just reach out to somebody on Twitter and send a blind DM. Like look at what they do, research it, spend some time. Same thing with like a mentor. If you, you go to a mentor, like if somebody were to come to me and go, I want you to be my mentor. Like, great. All right. So what do you have for me? And they're like, what do you mean? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? What do I mean? Like, you got to come prepared with this. Like, you got to remember, they're not, you're you're not, they shouldn't be doing you a favor. Like mentoring, you should come with a plan, like an, an agenda, like an action agenda. Like, hey, as my mentor, here are my goals that I'm trying to achieve. Would love to work with you on how I can either build better character, better work ethic, better, you know, better, uh, I guess you would say um, routines, right? that can help me achieve these goals. But like, that's the whole thing is putting in the time to do the research, to value the network, to show that value. And then yes, ask for mentorship or ask, Hey, can I network with you? And maybe there's ways I can bring value to you. But like these people that go at it themselves and don't value the people they do business with it, they're dead. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, for people, for people out there that are listening to this, I, I still do networking. I still randomly uh, do to Twitter DMs, not because I just want to DM them, it's because I know what they have done. And I I go to them with an action plan where I go to them with something that I know what I need from them and what they can get from me. I, I still do a lot of outreach, even, even though, yeah. yeah, I started my own project. Yeah, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. But I'm still trying to grow my network. I'm still trying to uh, DM the people that I want to be able to speak with. And let me tell you, maybe... Five out of the ten, you don't get a response, and that's not you don't. Yeah, that that's not a a, a something like oh, you're not doing a good job, or you're not doing this, you're not doing that. It's it's nothing personal, you know. I I sometimes don't re- respond to a lot of my DMs because simply I don't have time, or uh, I'm not really interested. It's it's just because like you reach out as long as you reach out to them, where you did your part, you're going to get the outcome that uh, you want, even if that's one reply out of the hundred that you did that one reply might just change. yeah i mean and that's the same thing i gotta tell somebody if you're going into the job world and like entrepreneurship isn't for you you know my advice to you is if you have the time that you're able to do this and you know you can spare a month or two 
you know, don't your initial job request that you send out should be for your higher level stuff. Like the stuff that you're kind of moonshotting, go for that, right? Send out a hundred, you know, resumes. It's a numbers game. You may get 1% back. It doesn't matter because if you send out a hundred and you get one or two back and that opportunity comes and you're able to get that higher job that you were looking for, that better position, yeah, you're not going to get the immediate turnaround and can, you know, conversion on it. But I would tell you that if you're entering the job, not entering, but if you're going back into like securing a job, you're leaving the entrepreneurial side, I would moonshot for the first month. And then after that, you know, if you haven't got anything, then start settling into stuff that's more, I guess you would say in line with your, your work experience slash credentials. Um, look at me, dude, I'm going into this corporate, like advising, like I'm like, I'm hiring people again. You know what I mean? Jeez. I got to get off that. Um, Let's uh, dude. I gotta hear from. I gotta hear. I gotta hear from Wolf, man. Are you here? Because Wolf, I got. I'm unfortunately, I'm gonna have to leave here in, in a little bit. I got family coming over from Thanksgiving, but I feel like I talked the whole time. Well, I'm good. I didn't, I didn't my boy. need How to say you? anything. I mean, this is the first podcast where you know you, people have got me to shut the fuck up and not um, <laughs> not babble on the whole time. Um, yeah, when Max said in the beginning, he goes, "Man, when, sometimes people get quiet." I'm like, "You ain't got to worry about that with me, my boy." <laughs> yeah, no, because. Cause, Cause you know, like I wanted to bring Wolf into the conversation because, you know, he's younger than me and, you know, I don't think he have worked for anybody in the web two space for a continuous period of time. You know, he, he came into the space and was like, I want, I, he already know what he wants. You know, he's a trader. He wants to do, do right for himself. He doesn't want to work for, for, for any, any individual uh, for a long period of time. You know, he came into this mindset much earlier than you. Or me combined, you know, yeah, he, absolutely. He, he came into the space thinking and just had one one goal, you know, to to make a name for himself. And uh, Wolfie, if you want to share a little bit about why you did that and how how you came into that mindset in such a young age, and I know you didn't go to uni, so you didn't have that uh, that kind of prolonged exposure to academic life, and you're like, you know, fuck that, fuck uni, fuck everything. Let me just go straight into into making a name for for myself. So yeah, share share a little bit about that, man. I mean, obviously, there's some sort, some bit of that that's genetic. You know, my my want to be able to be entrepreneurial, my ambitions, and what I wanted in life. Um, there's also a certain element of that that comes from rebellion. You know, my dad runs a very successful recruitment company in cloud software, um, and the way my life was always looking because I I was good at working with him. I worked with him for a little bit, worked really well. Was that I was going to take over his company? But that, to me, um, as much as that would have been a very successful career for me, and this annoys some people when I say it it almost would have felt like I'm taking someone else's work and I want to cement something for myself. I want whatever I build, I want it to be me that built it. Um, so I started doing lots of other stuff, Forex trading, stuff like that, and eventually got myself into the space. Um, worked with age very closely for a long period of time now. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's, 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 oh, it's always gone well for me. Um, and the thing is when you're young as well, when you do get hit with your first setback, so this market turning over the way it has, you know, what's going on at the moment going on, it's a big slap in the face for me. Um, it's my first real, I mean, I'm fortunate I haven't had one since before this, but it's my first real slap in the face, which is you are not going to always succeed. Um, and it's very reassuring. You know, that's why I haven't spoken the whole time because I've almost enjoyed being a, a listener of this. You know, I'm soaking it all in. When H is like, you've got years. I mean, I've got decades, not years. I've got decades to keep trying and keep failing. And every time I fail, it's, it's something to learn and something to move on, uh, move on from. Um, but yeah, I think it just comes from a little bit of rebellion a huge amount of ambition for better for, for better or for worse. Um, I just want to build something for myself and I'm happy the space sort of lets me do that. 
There is one thing, H, that you touched on that I really want to speak about. Um, and that's the idea of mentors. Because that's one thing that I've always, I mean, as much as I didn't want to work for my dad, him being a mentor for me was, you know, I soaked up everything I could. Um, and I'm fortunate that people have taken me under their wing. Maybe it's my youth, maybe it's ambition, my ambition, I'm not sure why. Um, but I see a mentor as an investment almost. You know, if you're if you're a mentor um, and you have a mentor, someone you're training up, that's someone you're investing your time in. Um, like you said, it's not like you go out there and you're like, oh, teach me how to do everything. I don't have an action plan. You know, you need to know what you're doing. And the person that's mentoring you, the reason they're building you up is to make you, turn you into a better person so you can reward them in the long term. Um, that one thing that you were talking about, that mental thing has really stuck with me because as much as right now it's a slap in the face of the market and everything, my network and the people I have around me, I'm eternally grateful for. And they allow me to build me up into the person I am today. And I mean, you've really motivated me here, H, to um, you know, keep keep get, getting up and going after it. Yeah, brother. I mean, dude, I I I can't stress enough, guys. And like, I know this is gonna sound cliche as hell, but like, when you pop out your first kid, and like, you know, all of a sudden you see this this image of yourself, and it's looking at you, and you realize, like, shit, man, this dude's gonna ask me, like, hey, dad, what do you, you know, what have you do for a living? What what have you accomplished? What you know, what is this? Like, why, why can't I have that toy? Like, can we afford it? Like, do you get where I'm coming from? Like yeah. all of a sudden yeah, yeah. These, these, these things that you never thought about come into play. And that's when you start realizing you don't give a shit about flashy cars. You don't give a shit about a big house. Like, you know, like I, I can't stress enough guys, like you have so much opportunity in front of you and your mindsets are already tweaked the way they need to be. So like you're there, like, it's just, it's just about weathering the grind and, just grinding through it and, and, and applying yourself and continue to do what you guys do best. I mean, you two are some of the brightest guys I've met in the space. You know, Tenant Labs is a fantastic organization. If you haven't checked them out, definitely check them out. Um, and I think you guys are going to take it to the next level. So I just, I, I appreciate the opportunity to get to speak here, Max. And, uh, you know, Wolf, you know, I think the I think the world of both of y'all. And, you know, if there's anything I can ever do in the for either of you, you know, I'm my door is always open. Yeah. Uh, to to close. Yeah. I'm, I do. I do look at the time, and it's getting a little bit uh, short. So I, I will finish this podcast off with one last question for Mister H, and that is, you know, for us, we don't have this constraint of family or like kids that we have to deal with. Can you give a little bit of a a quick like few sentences for people that do have kids and want to navigate this space? How do you balance your time? And how do you make sure that your your kids and your family is taken care of while working such long hours in this space? Yeah. So what I would say is this. The first thing, if you're trying to enter this space, and it depends. I mean, if you're trying to enter space from a customer standpoint, you want to start buying NFTs, like you need to like religiously do research on this stuff. I mean, like I can't tell you, I, and I'll flat out say it. I mean, I've probably, I've lost a lot in NFTs, like a lot, like it's it's almost an exorbitant amount of like money, right? And that's okay because that's all right. It was buying into projects I believed in. Like a lot of them are blue chips. I I will hold and still have no doubt they'll come back. But in the same token, like I lost a lot of money in the beginning because I wasn't paying like attention to the important things that you need to know, which is researching community, you know, really going into discords and like building a network of friends that you know or like have experience in the space and stuff like that that you can rely on. Again, many little mentors, right? But like if you're trying to get in the space and you have kids, do your damn research, be responsible because like this is not stocks. Like you're not investing in projects where these people running it are, you know, people with degrees that have scaled businesses before, like majority of them don't know what the hell they're doing. 
So like do your research before you put your money in. Now, if you're trying to get into the space and start working in the space, you know, find your avenue that you think is going to be a fit, find where you, you feel, you know, you could be, um, I guess you would say make an impact or make your brand felt. Um, and then start, start building your network, like literally get in discords. Like I, it's the same theory, but like start applying yourself and going back to what I said, if you're trying to be a dev, like provide value, like you want to be a collab manager. Great. Go be a collab manager for free. Work yourself from a tier three to a tier two, tier one. You know, if you're looking to start working for projects, best thing I could tell you, get on OpenSea, look at all time volume, go back about five pages and you will find some great projects in there that still, you know, have potential that have been around for some time. And if you, you're able to go in and provide value for free, which is your time, right? So maybe you're not playing Call of Duty while the kids are sleeping and now you're doing this. And yeah, it sucks because you're having to give value. But if you want to make a, a way in this world, a path in this world, you got to freaking work, man. You got to put in your time before it's given into you. And again, it goes back to that participation trophy shit. Like if my kids come home with a third place trophy, I'm breaking that shit. I'm flat out telling you. And I'm going to, because I don't believe in that. Like you give out your best, you win, you win, you don't, you don't, but like, this is not somebody owes you anything. And people got to get out of that mindset, Max. They got to come in and say, Hey, I'm willing to work. I'm willing to take time out of my schedule to get that experience. So now I can start to make a revenue and income and a name for myself, but you ain't ever going to be able to skip the line and do that. You get where I'm coming from? I get exactly where you're coming from. So on that note, I, I want to say thank you, H, uh, for being on this podcast. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure talking with you. Uh, it was very motivational. And uh, you have shared so much information that can help the next generation of uh, of people getting into this space. So thank you so much for being here, mate. Oh, dude, my my absolute pleasure. I love what y'all are doing. I think, you, uh, I think Blank is going to be an amazing brand. Again, Tenet Studios. Uh, you got Wolfie here, you got Max there, you got, you know, Zeppi in there. Great, uh, great brand. Look at them for help there. And, uh, guys again, appreciate the opportunity. And then, uh, web three auditing, obviously appreciate y'all, uh, showing a spotlight on us. Yeah. Uh, big ups, uh, web three auditing. And thank you so much. Uh, so for the next podcast, we're going to be joined with Escar. He's took a kind of a different route as an artist getting into this space. So it will be really cool to see why he took the route that he did instead of coming in as a foundation ward, as a, as a Tezos artist, he took a completely different approach and went into the exactly like we talked about here, built his network up, uh, came in as a clap manager and uh, got to know a lot of the most important people in this space as well. So the next time uh, we're going to be joined with him, he will be releasing a collection with us. Thank you guys for tuning in. If you enjoyed the episode and would like to help us out, please leave a five-star review. Thank you.